Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered your body is, and how much stress and exertion you put on your body throughout the day. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, and heart rate variability that can be used as an indicator for how to approach your day. The app has built-in features like Strain Coach, which gives you target exertion goals to work out optimally at your body's recovery level. Whoop automatically detects and categorizes your activities so there's no need to start and stop your workout. You can analyze your heart rate throughout the entirety of your workout and also track your calories burned, max heart rate, and average heart rate. It's the perfect way to train. The app also has a built-in sleep coach which lets you know how much sleep you should be getting based on your expected activity level for the following day so you can wake up and be recovered based on your performance goals. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code VELONEWS at checkout. Go to Whoop whoop.com and enter VeloNews at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop today. Hello, VeloNews listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at VeloNews, coming at you with another VeloNews tech podcast. Today, I am joined by uh, Leonard Zinn, who is an author, a VeloNews contributor, and the founder of Zinn Cycles. You probably know him because he's been writing for VeloNews for a very long time uh, and knows just about everything there is to know about bikes. Uh, Leonard, thanks for, for joining me today. How are you doing? Good. That's it. Uh, it's it's a little weird because we're we're doing this via Skype and we only live a few minutes away, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you taking the time today, um, Leonard. Recently, uh, you wrote a, a print feature for us in the print magazine uh, about uh, wheels and specifically about the difference between uh, climbing wheels and more deep section wheels and how how people should be uh, sort of understanding those two. Uh, types of wheels in relation to what will make them actually faster. I think there's a, uh, a misconception that you know the shallow section wheels are always going to be faster on climbs, and the deep section wheels are always going to be faster on flats. You kind of uh, dove into that, and um, for our listeners, I don't want to give too much of it away. You, you guys can definitely go pick up the uh, the magazine or uh, you know check it out online. Um, but one of the key factors of uh, of wheel uh, construction in recent years and, and really ever um, has been this concept of the moment of inertia. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Uh, and Leonard, you you have uh, some quite a bit of, of experience with this. Um, can you just really quickly, uh, in layman's terms, tell the listeners what, what the heck is the moment of inertia? Well, in simplest terms, it's the rotational equivalent of mass. So if you have something that's heavy, you know it's going to be certain difficulty to pick up, but if it's, but if you're trying to turn it and that, and, and that same amount of mass or weight is, is the further it's separated, like the bigger the wheel you have that has this mass out on the end of it, the harder it is to lift it. And, um, so it's this radius out to the mass that's important. So you know if you if you take a five pound weight and you lift it up real right by your head, it's no problem. You stick it out at arm's length and you lift it up, it's a lot more of a problem. That's the radius I'm talking about, the length of the arm. So a lot of this just really comes down to weight and how that weight moves. Is that an accurate representation? Yes. Okay. Yes. But mainly how far away from the center the weight is. Aha. Uh-huh. And so in that sense, it's pretty easy to visualize, right? So you've got your wheel, and the center of that wheel is your hub. And so the weight at the outside 
of that wheel, which is your rim and your tire, that's uh, that's the weight that's going to affect your moment of inertia, correct? Exactly. Okay. So now we, we have a general, really general, because, <laughs> you know, there's physics and such involved, and <laughs> I have zero uh, science training here, so I'm relying on you, Leonard, to tell me when I'm wrong, uh, which is like a frequent thing. Um, so <laughs> let me know if I get something wrong, but what parts of the bike uh, experience this moment of inertia, and, and are they are they all equally um, uh, consequential to the way a bike rides? Um, well, the, the three place, four places, your your rear wheel, your front wheel, your right foot, and your left foot. Okay. And those are the things that are rotating on the bike. I mean, I there's a really trivial amount at the chain ring as well, you know, mm-hmm. but the weight is so small and the radius is so small that it's it's inconsequential. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the heavier the shoes you have and the longer the cranks you have, both of those things make the moment of inertia at the pedaling greater. And then similarly, the taller the wheels you have and the more, the heavier the tire and the rim is, mm-hmm. the greater the moment of inertia. Okay, so let's talk about the way the weight moves. Is it a good thing uh, to have a higher moment of inertia or is it a bad thing? Well, I would say it's neither good nor bad. It's only, uh, it's really only an issue when you accelerate it. That's the only time that it counts more than, than any other mass on the bike. So, so if you, um, are starting up from a stop or you, Anytime you put the brakes on, that's when you think about moment of inertia. So it's a big deal in cyclocross, for instance, because you're constantly slowing down and making sharp turns and starting from very slow and building up speed again. And a lot of times you have mud built up on your tires and rims and feet and pedals and everything. And so all of that makes the moment of inertia greater and and robs you of energy. But if you're just... Sorry, if, if you're just going along straight, it doesn't cost you anything any more than any other weight because, because um, the, for instance, if you're just rolling along on the flat, the heavier, taller wheel with a higher moment of inertia will tend to carry your momentum more and tend to, and, and so um, it's not... It took you more energy to get it up to that, but it's also carrying you along more. So sometimes it's definitely an advantage to have higher moment of inertia. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, that, that moment of inertia, that higher moment of inertia, it, it costs you more to get the wheel going, more energy to get the wheel going. But once it's going, it's actually helping you keep going. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, and this, this gets back to your article that you wrote uh, for, the, for the, the most recent print issue, which is, uh, you know, climbing wheels versus, uh, you know, deep section wheels and what's better uh, for, for most riders. And, you know, if you think about what you just said about, uh, you know, starting and stopping, you know, it, it seems to stand to reason that climbing wheels would be uh, the ideal choice for climbing because you're you're constantly trying to keep that wheel going. There's not that that sort of inertia keeping you going. Uh, so so lighter should presumably be better. Um, but what are some of the X factors that can affect that equation uh, adversely? Like why why wouldn't it 
how could you argue the other way? Like uh, maybe climbing wheel isn't the best choice for actually climbing. Well, there's two things. One is um, it smooths out the, the, the wheel. The main thing with the wheel with the higher moment inertia is presumably you've got this higher moment of inertia by getting a deeper section wheel that's more aerodynamic. So at speeds where the aerodynamics are more important, that's going to play a, play a part. And, and as long as you're not putting the brakes on on the climb, which you shouldn't be, you're not continually reaccelerating the wheel, then, um, then you're only interested in the total weight, aerodynamics versus total weight. Once um, the other thing is that you know modern cycling, modern bike racing, there's these great accelerations that that the great climbers have, where they don't tend to climb at a constant speed. How they how they put people under is by is by jumping repeatedly, and the guy that can't keep doing that, it, it costs him. Um, so the guy with the higher moment of inertia of his wheels, yes, he's going to be slower to, to pick up and follow that, that acceleration. And then a lot of times once the, once the elastic breaks, once the, the person is just that much far ahead that you can't quite close the gap, psychologically there's a huge cost too that if you just can't quite get there. On the other hand, if, if you're a guy that doesn't have that explosive acceleration, it kind of helps you to be able to then carry that momentum once you've gotten your heavy wheels going or your higher moment of inertia wheels going and you, you've caught up to that guy and then they're carrying you along a little bit. You can ease off a little bit and recover a little bit while he's backed off on the effort because he's like, ah, oh, their guy came back, you know, and then and then it'll punch it again, and yes, it'll hurt you again, but there it's it's not a definitive yes or no that you're gonna that that you're gonna be better off with the climbing wheel. Mm -hmm. And 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 I and I think in our article it came down to if if the climbing speed is is above seven miles an hour, then you definitely might be better off on the on the more aero wheel than on the super light climbing wheel and below seven miles an hour. Yeah. Just the lower, just the lower weight going to help you. That's a, just, just you describing that race scenario got me so excited for racing. <laughs> I hope it actually happens this year. Um, you know, that, that presents an interesting, uh, question. I mean, the pros are obviously sort, you know, they're, well, when you compare to my riding, they're, they're on a different planet. Um, and so, you know, there's a strategy there, like, uh, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, a spindly climber like Froome, you know, he might have a different wheel choice than maybe somebody like um, Simon Yates, you know, like maybe Simon Yates. And I don't know what their preferences are, but, you know, maybe Yates wants that wheel that's going to carry his momentum, whereas Froome wants that punchiness. And that's a really uh, I mean, we're talking about, you know very quick moments, you know, small amounts of time, which matter on the pro level. Um, for us mere mortals, <laughs> getting back to my riding, uh, you know, a guy 10 pounds overweight and, you know, just riding for, for mostly for fun. Um, at what point do I need to make the decision whether a climbing wheel would be better for me or a, a, a deeper section wheel? I mean, you know, 
for example, where I live, it's about 12 miles of relatively rolling flat terrain before I get to a climb. But when I get to that climb, it's big. Um, so as a consumer thinking, okay, what wheels would best suit me? Um, how do I determine that based on which wheel would be faster for me? Say I'm chasing KOMs, you know, I still want to go fast. Um, how do I determine if I need a climbing wheel or a, uh, a deeper section wheel? Well, it's going to be based on how much time you're going to spend at a low speed climb. Mm -hmm. And, but even more importantly, how much time, how much you're going to be doing, you're going to be breaking when you're climbing. So for instance, if, if like I can see the, the argument in general, I'll, I'll make a real blanket statement that is if in doubt, get the more arrow wheel that 99% of the time, that's going to be the right choice. The, the, I think the whole word climbing wheel is a misnomer. And that I think if you look more and more in Tour de France racing, you're going to see those guys on deeper and deeper section wheels on the climbs. They're, they're not using these really shallow section wheels. And it's not because they're dumb. It's, it's usually because they've done a lot of the research and went, oh, actually, we're better off with this. And especially when you when you average it over the whole thing, like in your case, just the fact that you added in all that rolling pretty much doesn't matter. Uh, you know, if you spend three hours riding and, and, and one hour of it, you know, is back and forth to the climb and 45 minutes is up the climb and 15 minutes is down. I'm pretty sure if you do the analysis, you're going to find out that you're better off with the, with the, with the more aerodynamic wheel in a gravel event, you know, there's all these gravel events now and, and there's a question there. Well, what, what do you want to do? And, and in the event where you have, where it starts being a little more like cyclocross where because of the, of the technical nature of what you're riding on, that you might have to use the brakes a fair amount right before, steep uphills or, you know, sharp turn that you have to really slow down for because you're on gravel rather than being able to carry momentum through. And then you got to climb right after that. Those sorts of things, then the climbing wheel, the, the, the low moment of inertia wheel is going to start making a lot more sense. On the other hand, you know, something like Dirty Kanza where you're just cruising along for a really, really, really long time. Uh, even though there are those times where the client, where the low motor inertia is going to help you, mm -hmm. for the most part, the aerodynamics are going to be a, a bigger deal. So I have a question for you. You know, the, the balance between weight and aerodynamics has has sort of been a a, a pretty prominent narrative in, in all aspects of, of bike design within you know the last several, yeah, you know, I would say the last couple of decades. Um, you know, is there a trade-off? Um, you know, are are we at a point now where aero rims are getting as light as climbing wheels were? I mean, is that even is that even a concern anymore? Where you have to go light, lower profile to save that weight? I mean, is it is it a at that point is it a point of diminishing returns where you start chipping away weight, but the aerodynamics will maybe more important? Well, I'd say that was true when the deep section wheels were made out of aluminum. Some of those. Some of those early deep section wheels, yeah, that was. Then it's a, it's a totally different story. But now, yes, the, the 
the wheels are so light mm -hmm. and you still clearly since you're making out of the same material yes you can cut a big percentage of that weight down by decreasing the, the section of the rim and, and make it shallower on the other hand the total amount that your total amount of weight that you're decreasing by is is not nearly as much as it was you know 20 years ago so, um, so yeah, the, the argument is pushing ever more toward the more aero wheel as the, the technology gets better and making rims stronger and lighter. All right, we're going to take just a quick break to uh, catch our breath and hear from our sponsor, and then we will be right back to talk more Moment of Inertia with Leonard Zinn. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered your body is, and how much stress and exertion you put on your body throughout the day. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, and heart rate variability that can be used as an indicator for how to approach your day. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code VELONEWS at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter VELONEWS at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop today. All right, Leonard. So we're back and still talking about moment of inertia. It's, it's just a mouthful to say. Um, <laughs> I have another question for you. Now, wheels have changed pretty significantly in the last few years because we've made this big leap to disc brakes. Um, so you've added some rotational mass with the, the rotor. But does that affect uh, moment of inertia significantly enough to, for example, change the way a wheel uh, spins up versus a rim brake? Uh, wheel. Oh, well, for the most part, it, it makes the moment of inertia of the, of the disc brake wheel less of an issue because, because the rim weight is able to come down on the disc brake wheel because you don't have to have a braking surface and, and you don't have to maintain that braking surface, have the wheel last a certain number of brakings, you know, wear it down and all that sort of stuff. And, and, um, and the moment of inertia of the, of the rotor itself, especially when you think of 140 millimeter road rotors, it's even though the rotor weighs something and you're, you're adding weight to the bike. So that's, that's costing you, but it costs you whether it's the climbing wheel or whether it's the, 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 uh, arrow wheel. And, and the moment of inertia of 140 millimeter, that's diameter too, so that's 70 millimeter radius that points out on the radius of that disc brake. Don't, they don't weigh very much in the first place and they're not very far out. So that's, that's really not costing you. And um, there is, you know, you have to have more spokes and they have to be crossing spokes than in the days of, like a front wheel, if you're talking about a front wheel, that could be a radial wheel with very few spokes if you had rim brake. And now you have to have more spokes and they got to be crossing in order to oppose the braking forces. So you've added considerable weight. You are adding some more rotating mass too because the spokes themselves out at the rim, they, they add moment of inertia as well. So, um, but, but on the whole, since 
it tends to be a moot point since everybody's going to disc brakes. You don't really. But it, it, yeah, if, if all you were going to do was go straight up a climb, yeah, you'd be better off with a super light wheels, low spoke count, and rim brakes than disc brakes because the total weight of the bike would be less, the total weight of the wheels would be less. And then you still have the argument whether to have a deep section or shallow section. And, it, and if it's really, really steep climb and that's all you're doing is an uphill time trial, no other riding on there, yeah, then the deep, shallow section is going to be it. But, but something like Mount Evans Hill Climb, 28 miles where there's up and down and some, you know, and it's fairly higher speed and, and all that, um, you're still going to be better on that arrow wheel. Mm -hmm. That was my next question was about spokes. Um, you know, that you just mentioned that, it, you know, what I was going to ask you was, you know, how much do spokes actually affect uh, the moment of inertia on a wheel? I mean, does it add enough weight to matter? And it sounds like it does. Um, but I guess more specifically, I mean, is there something to be done to reduce the moment of inertia by using, uh, you know, different spoke nipples or, or lighter materials in the spoke itself? I mean, we've seen some carbon spokes come out. Um, is there an advantage to that in terms of wheel design to, to reduce the moment of inertia? Well, yes, definitely. There's no question that alloy alloy nipples compared to brass nipples. You know, brass is, is denser than steel, even so denser than steel nipples. And alloy nipples are a no-brainer. Yeah. The uh, uh, the carbon fiber spokes, yeah, absolutely. It reduces the weight of the wheel, it reduces the moment of inertia of the wheel, and all that. And you know, if you're talking about the average Joe who needs to maintain his wheel, it's a disaster. <laughs> can't do anything about it. Um, okay, so here's another question, uh, you know, just talking about how we position the weight on our bike. I mean, we, we talk often about rotational weight versus, you know, stationary weight and that the rotational weight is, is more important. Um, and we could talk for a minute about why that is. Um, but I also want to talk about, you know, when we talk about how, you know, a deeper section wheel obviously seems to make more sense for an everyday rider who's not just going to leave their house and go straight up the hill and that's it. Um, you know, but you still want to make that balance between weight and aerodynamics. Let's talk about tires. Um, you know, can I reduce, uh, if I, if I choose to invest in say a deeper section wheel, like a, you know, a 40 millimeter deep wheel, uh, can I reduce my moment of inertia by choosing a lighter tire? Uh, or is that just sort of splitting hairs? Well, it's not splitting hairs at all. I mean, the, the tire is the furthest outward point on the wheel. So it, it, it has the, the largest radius to it. So it's, largest contributor in terms of, of the radial dimension to the moment of inertia and rubber is much denser than carbon fiber or even than aluminum so it adds considerable weight and and um, and generally if you're going to a lighter tire you're going to lighter materials more supple tire less less tread rubber Inner inner tube or no inner tube, like tubeless or something. Um, you're also gaining uh, in the rolling resistance area as well. So, so you you gain you gain everything. You gain in overall weight. You gain in molar inertia, and you gain in rolling resistance. So, yeah, as long as it's a tire that can make it through the ride that you're 
What about uh, tubeless then? I mean, does it stands to reason by eliminating the inner tube that all that should also reduce my moment of inertia, correct? Yes, except that um, to a certain extent, tubeless tires have added back much, if not all, of that weight by by making putting a layer of a rubber compound on the inside to make the to make the tire more airproof. Given that now we don't have really tubeless specific tires that we're, we're counting on the on the sealant to do the to do much of the job that that those those weights have come down some so yeah that that helps but still you then you have you do have some sealant sloshing around in there too which contributes to the to the moment of inertia as well. So I want to get back for a moment just to the uh, the notion of rotational weight versus stationary weight. Uh, and the conventional wisdom has always been that reducing rota- rotational weight is far more important than reducing stationary weight. Um, is there truth to that and, and why? It's only slightly more important. Okay. In my estimation, it's not uh, – if you can make other gains – like aerodynamically or rolling resistance-wise, you're going to be better off than getting real concerned about the rotation weight. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some things where it's just kind of obvious, like if a pedal, all a need pedal needs to do is attach you to the bicycle, you know, don't get a heavy pedal if you don't need to. You know? <laughs> Reduce the weight of your pedal. Yeah. Same with your shoes. And, and, um, but, it, but if there is something that you're gaining from it, like in the wheel, that's very clear. You, you gain aerodynamic benefit by going to a deeper section wheel. And that, that, um, that in the end, usually you're going to, you're going to be better off than with the lower, lower moment inertia wheel. Mm-hmm. But, but everywhere you can look, yes, um, the, the weight of your shoes, if you if your shoes weigh the same amount as, say, the rest of your clothing, your whole kit, uh, that's probably not. Maybe with your helmet, everything combined, maybe that's similar. Um, the shoes make more impor- are more important because they're going around and around, and also because more than the wheels, you tend to be stopping your feet and starting your feet more because when you're coasting, your wheels keep rolling, but your feet don't, and then you start them up again. And so, so there's more starting and stopping going on with your feet, and um, and so, so uh, relative to the importance of all the rest of your kit, your helmet and and clothing and everything, the shoes are more important than the socks too. Oh man, shoe manufacturers are going to love this tech episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it you know your shoes are, are rotating constantly and they're starting and stopping a lot, so it would stand to reason that 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 whole process of starting and stopping would cost you more energy. Uh, and so you know, while having a, a super lightweight helmet may 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 be a matter of comfort, um, it's it may not actually be costing you uh, any any extra energy to push your bike forward unless it's an aerodynamics uh, perspective or say like a jersey as long as the jersey's snug uh, you know you're 
you, you're you're not losing much, um, but you have lots to gain by having light footwear. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and the pedals too. Um, so now with uh, rotational weight again. Now I, I'm I'm trying to think of the bike as a whole system, and you know everything about bike design is sort of trade-offs. You know, we, there's, there's probably a way to make the most efficient wheel out there to go fast, but then it would sacrifice things like, you know, compliance or, or handling. Um, and, and that's sort of the trade-off with anything in bike design. Um, but I'm curious, I mean, could I, could I offset, you know, I don't know, some of the losses from, say, I really love low profile rims and I just, I'm just sold on them. I just want them. And I like the look of them. I like the feel of them. Um, but I still want to reduce my, my rotational, uh, uh, my moment of inertia and rotational expenses. I mean, does, for example, does, does getting a lighter pair of shoes, can that offset something like that? Or, or is this just two different things? Well, it certainly can offset something, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's the, the, you know, net total of all the, all the mass and all the moment of inertia in your bike, uh, determining things. You know, there's another way to look at it too. Like, you know, earlier I talked about 30 Kanza where, yeah, a lot of it, you're going straight, flat, windy. And so aerodynamic deep section wheels can be more beneficial. On the other hand, you're out there for a really long time on rough surface. And if you have a, a, a little bumps and stuff, then there's less vibration of your muscles constantly. You're just overall less fatigue from. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me from. <clears throat> sorry. It's right. overall, overall less fatigue from the from the, from the vibration from the road, and in the end that might make a huge difference in your time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even though you might be aerodynamic, more aerodynamic with the other wheels, if you just are exact, completely exhausted, what difference does it make? Right. So, um, so depending on the terrain, but but assuming a smooth road, then yeah, there's really no benefit in that regard to the shallow section reel. What what am I missing or forgetting about the conversation about um, you know moment of inertia and how it affects not just my ride and ride quality, but how what what purchase decisions I make? I mean. Is this something that I really need to think carefully about before I go out and buy my next set of wheels, or just understanding, generally speaking, that at this point, aero wheels are probably better for ninety percent of of riders? I think that's all. That the latter is all you need to really understand. If you're just gonna have one set of wheels, make it a pretty deep section set of wheels. There you go. And fortunately for me, that's what I have on my bike. Uh, now I just need a little bit of talent, and things will be uh, going my way finally. <laughs> Uh, Leonard, thanks, thanks for joining me today. That's, uh, that was really uh, awesome to, to kind of get a better understanding of moment of inertia. And of course, um, you know, for those of you listening, if you really want the full skinny on what Leonard uh, discovered about climbing wheels versus uh, aero wheels, it is in, in our print magazine right now. And uh, you'll be able to find it on our website as well uh, in the near future. So please do check that out to get the full story and, and a little bit of the more deep nerdery with uh, lots of numbers and things that I don't understand. Uh, Leonard, thanks again for joining me. Uh, always a pleasure to talk. 
And uh, for those of you listening, if you have questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Velo News Atmosphere, please do feel free to reach out to me. You can get me on social media at Dan, or you can email me dcavallari at velonews.com and I'd be happy to answer your questions. And uh, of course, if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on future episodes of the Tech Podcast, I would absolutely love it if you did my work for me. So please do reach out and let me know what you'd like to hear. Leonard, thank you again. And for the rest of you, we'll see you soon.